Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome in to episode 18 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is TF Joker. Joker, what's crack, man? What's going on? Hey! Hello there, fam. I received an evite for, uh, from Pretty Tony about a podcast. Where the podcast at? Oh, yeah. Well, who invited this guy? Hold on a second. No, it's, it's cool. Hey, what's going <laughs> on? Good to see you. What's up? Oh, Gulak is the best. Drew Gulak <laughs> is such a good character actor. He can play so much different things. It's not even funny. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, it was a highlight. I don't, I don't know. Just levity it was great yeah he's a nice little segment on smackdown this week so but yeah all good but uh man it's good to good to talk to you as always you know it's uh it's fall now the the equinox happened so we are officially done with summer at least from a calendar perspective mm, and yeah, we are yeah. into fall proper so should be getting, uh, uh getting colder getting cooler that would be uh, the idea, uh, ideally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, legitimately, just kind of feeling it yesterday, where it's like, oh, maybe I should put a hoodie on while I'm inside. You know, <laughs> I'm not gonna put the heat on. It's still way too early. There's no snow. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely, it's definitely you can feel it at least. Oh, the inside hoodie, possibly interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm excited as obviously when now that it's spring, as summer turns to fall in the autumn time, the leaves change, kids are already back in school. If not, they're going back to school. Things sort of heat up into the latter parts of the year, uh, theoretically, of course, hopefully not heating up weather-wise. But yeah, should be a interesting, hopefully, couple of weeks, as you'll understand when we get into the show proper why it should be an interesting next couple weeks but that we are uh it was quite quite a week man big show for aw some stuff brewing in the wwe so interesting watches this week yeah a lot of people watching waited with bated breath um sort of waiting to see who is going to bring out the bigger surprise, if the bigger surprise is going to come at all, are the surprises actually surprises, um, or are they just, you know, what we expect? All of this and more to continue for the next few weeks in the world of wrestling. Um, yeah, it's, it's, definitely, uh, it's definitely an interesting time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, quite the week that we've had, so we'll get into a little bit of those topics in the show proper, so we, uh, we'll see how things pan out, not only this past week, but weeks going forward. And one other quick note on the production side, appreciate everybody checking out the one of the quick, quick hits that was a short on the YouTube, the Luigi Primo one. Thank you everybody for giving that a watch, and throwing those comments out there and helping us out. Uh, it's always nice to have folks kind of interact and watch and engage and 
just kind of enjoy the the shorts and the stuff that we uh, we put together. I put a lot of work into those in terms of editing, so it's always nice to kind of have folks respond to it uh, in kind. So thank you so much for that. All right, as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at three title changes on AEW Grand Slam and the White Rabbit in WWE. But coming up first, we've got three title changes on AEW's Grand Slam. So this past week on AEW Dynamite, we had a very large show. It's one of those kind of power-packed shows that we kind of see again in between pay-per-views. We get those kind of special episodes, but this particular is the second Grand Slam that we've had. We had one last year, and we had the one this past week, and Man, after the response of last year's, this one was packed to the gills. This one had five title matches on this past week's episode of Dynamite for Grand Slam. I had a couple of buddies actually go to the show live, and it was just one of those things. They mentioned that it was very, very loud. The the way Arthur Ashe Stadium's just real quick on a, on a behind the scenes thing it is you know it's it's a kind of smaller venue compared to like sort of the basketball slash hockey venue sometimes that they go to but you can fit quite a lot of people in but it's domed it has a cover so they sent me a picture of their like smartwatch where it was like oh the volume is reaching like 90 decibels and you got to be careful with your ears and I'm like oh so the crowd is hot Nice, a lot of loud noises, so lots of good okay. stuff going on. But yeah, it's uh, it looked really well. I liked the the look of the of kind of the staging and kind of the pomp and circumstance. These kind of big shows reminds me very much of the WWFs when they did the Saturday night's main event, like the kind of WCW sort of Clash of the Champions. Those in between non pay per view but just big show kind of kind of things. So. Definitely reminded me of that. Um, just before we kick into sort of the one, the three title changes we wanted to talk to, or talk about rather, Joker, what were your, what were your just impressions just kind of overall of the show itself? So I am in a, I'm in a very interesting position where I like the way that AEW runs their shows, but I think that they're, they should evolve with their shows as well. Now, the four, five-per-year pay-per-views, grand, fantastic. Um, but they have all of these specials, like, dotted in between. And that's where I have the problem, because it's, it seemed like in the summer there, we had, like, pay-per-view, then two specials, then a normal show, then a pay-per-view, like, not within, you know, a, a short amount of time. I want these specials to feel special and this one did everything seemed to have a bit more pomp and circumstances to it um and it felt like it was supposed to be a special whereas the other ones just kind of felt meh they sort of felt like oh these have titles you know 
uh, like Fighter Fest and things like that there, and on you know Night of Champions or whatever they like call them, Quake at the Lake or something. Yeah, yeah, the Quake at the Lake. Those things. Like, well, is, man, it's just, it, it's just another dynamite show. You're just given a title. Um, so like this one, you know, it felt really like the crowd pops were amazing. Um, the uh, the pyro, the stuff that was going on with those, uh, the entrances definitely felt a little bit more important uh, than they normally do. Um, and I feel like the quality of matches as well, uh, on Dynamite were uh, were taken up a notch. I would tend to agree. The Nature, again, having five title matches on the Dynamite, separate from the Rampage Grand Slam, was, yeah, they pretty much had, for the two-hour show, jam-packed with wrestling. There wasn't too many, like, backstage or kind of cutaways or kind of, like, kind of sort of gaga stuff. It was just pretty much, like, all right, opening match, which we'll get into in, in a moment, was, like, 15, 20 minutes or something like that. And it was like, cool, a quick cut down. And then, cool, on to the next match, which I think was like the tag team match or something like Yeah, so they were just pumping through that show. So I did actually kind of like that. It didn't have too too many sort of distraction segments. Yeah, that's whenever you kind of expect people to be like, okay, I need a bit of a breather after that big match. Uh, we're here's a word from them you know, a wrestler that doesn't have a match tonight, and then they complain about something, and, you know, lo and behold, they have a match later on that week at Rampage. Um, there was less of that sort of backstage segment set up. There was less of that. Um, and it, it felt good to have less of these janky promos in there. So um, definitely was one of their better shows. Uh, but honestly, I feel like I might attribute that to the crowd. Uh, as with um, as with a lot of things, I, f- I feel like the the crowd is always important in the show that you're putting on. And if we look at WWE's Clash of the Castle, like the crowd there, the 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 British crowd that was was in Wales, absolutely knocked it out of the park as being one of the best crowds at a wrestling event at all this year if not the last couple of years, obviously since uh, the pandemic and we were going to um, basically dark shows. Um, but this crowd at Arthur Ashe was, was nuts. And if you're, if you're mates, smart watch yelling at him, like, cover your ears. Uh, how's that had to go by then? You know, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely amazing to see. Yeah. Excellent point. You brought up the juxtaposition that if you look at a really hot crowd, like those ones you mentioned, juxtaposed with the Thunderdome where there's no crowd and it has a different feel because again it's a it's part theater so you you kind of go off of the live crowd and you feel the energy and kind of that sort of response or those claps and things so when you have it it can add to the show when you don't have it it feels different yeah definitely I think I think um Roman Reigns actually said in a recent interview on the Impulsive podcast, it was uh, it was something along the lines you're know, doing call and response, and the the sort of uh, cadence of your promo can all be dictated by the crowd and how you respond and how you get on with them, and having those promos in the ring with those people um, allowing the crowd 
or in some cases the talent not allowing the crowd to dictate the pace of their their promos like sometimes you can't help but have that happen um so it's definitely more uh, theatrical and uh, definitely something that's really good to see with the hot crowd um that we have um more improvisation allowed i'd say uh just because the crowd is so so good yeah i would tend to agree and speaking of just a hot crowd we have the opening matchup here that started off Dynamite Grand Slam for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship as we see champion Claudio Castagnoli taking on Chris Jericho. Of course, Chris looking for his eighth, also Ocho, World Championship. And it would looking to be a first-time holder of a Ring of Honor title in general. So we see at the beginning of the match that no Code of Honor is observed as Chris just doesn't want to shake hands with Claudio or really just not really kind of adhere to the code of honor itself. So throughout the match, we see a bit of shenanigans here, kind of, uh, oh, although I get into the cheating in a second, but yeah, uh, all in all, I thought these guys actually worked well together. We saw lots of back and forth, some uppercuts, the... Avalanche Frankensteiner in the corner was phenomenal. But we see towards the end of the match here, uh, Castagnoli chops in the corner, whips across springboard into a code breaker in midair. Claudio recovers, stomps Chris's head in, and follows it with a giant swing, which is absolutely phenomenal. We get a catapult into the corner. Big Lariat, so close. And Y2J goes for Floyd the Bat. Claudio, like a beast catches the bat with his hands that mid swing and then finish of the match here we have an uppercut into a reverse power bomb which we go to a back body drop and claudio stumbles a little bit and almost hits the referee aubrey edwards who's in the corner and he backs up into a low blow from chris and of course lines up a judas effect for the one, two, three, with Chris Jericho winning the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship for the first time, making him an eight-time world champion, or the Ocho. So we'll get off here, and uh, let's start it off with this. Thoughts, impressions, feelings about the match itself. Um, okay, so you specified the match itself. The match itself was good. I liked the match. Um, I thought I thought that um, definitely the code of honor not being observed was obviously going to happen. It's Blackpool Combat Club versus JAS. Uh, you know, fight number five million. It's uh, it's Claudio Castagnoli versus Chris Jericho, and um, I. Personally, I felt like this was one of the ones that probably would have got thrown out for for shenanigans, um, disqualification, and had something else happen. And I, I, I didn't feel like it was going to go this way. Um, but the fact that the code of honor wasn't observed, the fact that we had those moments from Claudio, uh, just to show how much of a beast he is, you know, the catching of the bat. Uh, it's reminiscent of 
Bobby Lashers earlier in the week just muscling through a stomp from from uh, Seth Rollins. You know, he just Seth comes up to stomp on Bobby Lashers, and Lashers just like, "What what do you think you're doing, kid?" It's the same kind of energy with you know the strong man Claudio just catching that bat. I love to see it. Uh, the giant swing always a fan favorite, um, and I feel like that's that's just one move that. Um, one move that I, I, I it's, a bit, it's a bit weird, but I, I never really care too much to see anything in person. But that is like one move that I, I really want to see in person, just because I feel like the energy would be insane in the, in the, uh, in the stadium, in the arena, wherever it is. Um, just to see that everybody counting how many swings he gets, it'd just be super, super amazing. So um, I really liked the match. I thought it was good. Uh, didn't didn't go too long, um, but wasn't quick. Uh, a wee bit surprised by the by the the changing of the the Ring of Honor champion, though. He only had a couple of defenses. Did our did our Claudio? I think about three um, or four, something like in that window. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm a wee bit surprised at that. Um, bit of a lackluster sort of ending to his very first world uh world title. Yeah, marred by a little bit of shenanigans at the end, obviously, with the referee missing sort of the low blow that Chris ended up capitalizing with the Judas effect and ultimately to win the championship there. Uh, quick note here, since you mentioned it, sort of the, the nature of the giant swing. I like the idea of Claudio does a giant swing. Somebody recently did an airplane spin. I forget who it was, but I love the fact that these sort of kind of old-timey moves that you would see that are kind of historically like, you'd think like 50s and 60s wrestling, and it'd be like, oh, it's a swing or a, an airplane spin or something like that. that. Being kind of brought back, and people are sort of reintroduced to them and kind of enjoying it, so I actually like that. It was fantastic. But the nature of the crowd itself being feeding into it and the response to that, I think, was did a really good job to help these guys. And again, you mentioned that it didn't, wasn't too short, didn't go too long. I think had it gone an extra five minutes, it would have sort of got maybe a little long in the tooth. So I think it ended yeah. right kind of when it needed to, which was yeah. a good, good part for pacing. But ultimately, yeah, I think it was for Claudio to have held the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship, one, to, for him to have a proper world championship, Rain was fantastic. The nature now, as we see post-match, where Chris celebrating with the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship, we have the JAS on the ramp itself. Everybody's congratulating, got everybody there. And who's last to come out? Ring of Honor Pure Heavyweight Champion Daniel Garcia comes out a little bit disappointed, ends up giving him sort of a lackluster high five. Seemed a little disappointed. We see eventually on Grand Slam in a backstage segment, which was presumably taped during or after Dynamite. Essentially, Alex Marvez is congratulating Chris and the JS, and Daniel just says, hey, man, I need to talk to you. I need to say something to you. Oh, no, no, it's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll do it during the celebration next week or whatever. So, like, hmm. So... As we see, ultimately, now the two Ring of Honor championships go from the Blackpool Combat Club of the Wrestlers Wrestlers 
do the Sports Entertaining Jericho Appreciation Society. So interesting twist on the feud, or the ongoing feud, between the two stables. So interesting storytelling, for sure. Yeah, definitely a little... um little intrigue, a little drama going on there between the two uh, two parties. I I love Daniel Garcia. I think Daniel Garcia is absolutely bloody amazing. And he hasn't even done any wrestling in a little bit. Like it, it was just this little this little promo he was like the little kid wanted to talk to his dad about something, you know, he was like hey Chris like he had he had those he had those kind of sad eyes. Um he's like, you know, I have I felt really bad for him, and equally I was just like, "Yo, Garcia, could you just beat beat the crap out of everybody here?" <laughs> because that would make me so happy. Uh, it was just, um, it was a funny little segment, and Chris on on Rampage would not stop saying, "I'm the Ocho, I'm the Ocho." So that's his next gimmick. That's that's his next thing. I'm the Ocho. And everybody was just giving him, uh, giving him absolute stick about not being honorable. And now it's just called the Ring Championship, which I loved. Sans I thought that that honor. was yeah, yeah, no honor, just the Ring. Is like okay, cool. Um, I uh, I feel like this will not be a long reign for Chris. I don't feel like he will. Um, he will really try and do anything with this, but I think the Ocho will sort of lead into the JAS maybe losing a member shortly in, in Daniel Garcia. Um, and who knows, maybe maybe Daniel Bryan will be the one to come and take the, uh, take the Ring of Honor World Championship off uh, to, uh, to sort of get vengeance for Claudio. And to put some honor back into uh, into Danny Garcia's life. You were it's like you're in my brain because I was thinking like, ooh, if you were thinking a short term reign for Jericho, Brian, Mr. Danielson, mm. if you're nasty, would be a fantastic person to take that championship off of Chris. So yep. excellent. Great, great minds think alike, brother. It's like we're the same person sometimes, PT. It's like we're the same person. It feels like we're the same person sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, really, really cool story. I think it's just awesome. I I think it was nice kind of, again, storytelling beats for the two titles now go from one faction to another. So I can definitely see some things kind of brewing. We'll see how the kind of story beats play out within the JS, where the sort of Daniel Garcia piece with Chris Jericho goes. Oh, if I may say... Daniel Garcia, before we move on to the next title match, I think back to our first episode when we had when we discussed the promo, when they were setting up sort of uh, eventually what led to the blood and guts, but was anarchy in the arena. And they had that promo where essentially, which was highlighted with William Regal, the toothbrush in up the bum. And Daniel Garcia had that little piece and kind of had a very short talking segment within that promo. Not to say that he still has some leaps and bounds to go in terms of promo work. No one will refute his wrestling work, but I feel like his presence and his whole package, kind of the way he carries himself, he's feeling a little bit more comfortable, again, on the mic and type of thing from sort of our episode one to now episode 18 where we've seen him. I feel like, yeah, he's just 
he feels a little bit more polished. Even, you know, he's got some ways to go, but yeah, it I've definitely seen a sort of change in him. Yeah, he's not a, he's not a, he's not an amazing promo. Like I, I don't think anybody would be, you know, would begrudge me saying like he's not top tier promo. Um top tier wrestler 100%, you know, even there he's going to get even better, which is scary if you think about it cuz a kid can go and he's going to be so good. And there's so many good matches that are coming his way, and I can't wait to see it. Um, like I'm not saying he's a terrible promo by any means. I'm really not saying that. I'm just saying he's not, you know, maybe Ricky Starks levels of promo. Uh, if if you have the the Ricky Starks and the Danny Garcia, like that's a match made in heaven right there. Um, but yeah, the the leaps and bounds he's going to come on in the next while. Uh, I feel like this little stint with the JAS uh, has done him the world of good for his promo ability. Um, and then we'll see him go in, and he's been doing, obviously, the, the sort of betrayal, not the betrayal, but the felt feeling of betray, uh, betrayal from uh, from Chris, his mentor, doing the um, doing the old Cheetah Roonies for the, the Ring of Honor. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be good to see... Um, see him sort of grow, develop, get better, and yeah, eventually kick the crap out of Chris Jericho. I feel like that's going to be a match um, sooner rather than later, and I'm here for it, because there's going to be Floyd the Bat, and uh, Danny Garcia is going to stop it. I think Danny being in the JS, being around, sitting under the learning tree, or just being near in, in association with as like Chris Jericho, Guys like Matt Menard, Daddy Magic, who can, you know, who can speak oh, talk. and talk like he, you know, maybe Danny's picking up a little things here or there again. That, so I just noticed he's feeling a little bit more comfortable than he was previously as a just, all right, cool. I got my one line or is like a line. Uh, okay, cool. Awesome. So yeah, he feels a little bit more well-rounded. So, yep. But I agree. He's going to get, he, he's only going to get better and it's scary. The potential this kid has, for sure. It definitely is. All right, going up to our next title change, we had the AEW World Tag Team Champions as championships as we see champions Swerve in Our Glory, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee take on the acclaimed. So this was a rematch here from the match at All Out, and first matchup was an absolute banger, which was, you know... Hot dang, hot crowd in Chicago for that first matchup. Man, the reaction ultimately when the Acclaim lost, you could feel that night taking nothing again away from Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, both phenomenal athletes, but man, that crowd wanted the Acclaimed so bad to win. So we get a entrance for the Acclaimed. Uh, Anthony Bowens is a New York kid. Max Caster has come from a bouts of Jersey, so sort of hometown, local boys. Great pop for them getting there, and nice kind of back and forth with that. I was uh, There were periods of Max getting the heat from Keith and Swerve, and then uh, Bowen's getting the heat as well, so making a bit of a comeback there, which was really, really nice to see. It wasn't kind of a squash either way. As we see the... Last moments of the match, uh, Max with a waist lock and a rolling soul butt catches uh, Keith in the corner, but uh, Caster gets a back suplex and still uh, hobbling and heading up 
to the uh, to the top rope. Strickland cuts him off with a punch. Electric chair assisted with a Liger bomb, and then Max kicks out crazily to a hot crowd. Shane Strickland gets a 450 sort of a leg drop to the floor. Either way, made it look good, but we saved it. Nobody was hurt ultimately, so that's good. And then finish of the match. Billy Gunn, daddy ass himself. Oh, scissor me, daddy. Gets in Swerve's face, and they jaw at each other, but Lee pulls his partner away into a rolling elbow from Bowens, and the quote-unquote baby faces of the acclaimed do a little heel shenanigans as we see Billy Gunn himself, daddy ass, get a fame-asser on Swerve Strickland, rolls him back in the ring, the arrival from Bowens into the mic drop from Max Caster and the acclaimed win the AEW World Tag Team Championship to a raucous ovation. So again, we'll throw it over to you, Joker. Just thoughts on the matchup itself. So whenever we whenever we we did see this match the first time in Chicago, um, people in the crowd in the crowd were booing Swerve in our glory and they were cheering for the acclaimed like the acclaimed got this uh enormous head of steam behind them but they weren't the only people in the world that were like we, we you know we want the acclaimed to win everybody loves the acclaimed like i i honestly cannot say that enough like these guys again if we're if we're going off of the um the sort of uh, progress of Danny Garcia, these guys have come on leaps and bounds. Uh, obviously, there were problems. You know, you you can't uh, make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, and you know we have had some issues with Max Caster before. Said he likes to say some controversial stuff in his raps. He did get suspended for a while. He's back again. You know, we do have uh, Anthony Bowens who has had injuries. These guys have been through a lot in the last two three years since AEW has begun, but they are such a great pairing. And these last six months, they have seen a sort of surge in popularity being paired with before and during being paired with Daddy Ass. Um and whenever this whole thing happened, I was just like, you know, you know, we mourned for the acclaimed here. One of the more popular shorts, us mourning the acclaimed. I was legitimately upset about this getting destroyed and taken away from me, and I was overjoyed whenever they, uh, whenever Max Caster and Anthony Bowens got back together, because uh, with with Daddy Ass, because yes, we had the oh scissor me Daddy chance, and I was just like, yes, this is so good. Um. The this second match was just kind of like okay cool. The Acclaimed are gonna win. <laughs> there was no doubt in my mind the Acclaimed were gonna win because why would we have the second match if TK didn't listen to that first crowd and be like, oh maybe we should have called an audible and maybe just changed it slightly. We're we're gonna change. We're gonna accelerate this and you know we're gonna do this. Um, now if this was always the plan, you know, whatever, but this is how I'm dream booking it. Uh, but yeah, the match is great, some big spots, nice bit of storytelling there with Max going down as well, him being a liability, him getting targeted, him being 
the one that was getting really, really wheeled on. Then you had Anthony come back in and him making some of the big, powerful saves. Absolutely fantastic athlete. Love Anthony. Such a great talent. And he's just so good on, like, he just gets the hype as well. So you have Max doing, you know, getting all the nice, you know, doing the rapping and, and all, all that there. But whenever Anthony, you know, shouts out the name of the city and then, you know, just this does does the scissor me daddy ass like it was him that did that it was him that got that and he is amazing and i'm happy for them and i would say that it was you know good old daddy ass was the one to do the heel shenanigans with the famouser which we all love to see so i'm just going to ignore that and it didn't happen max and anthony were just like hey yo we didn't see some we didn't see it, it wasn't us it was all him and, uh, you know, um, the end of the match, the mic drop, just absolutely fantastic. Loved it. Loved every minute of it. Uh, and I'm super happy that they claimed to the champions. Yeah, huge reaction in Queens for them to winning. They got the confetti. They got to let them be out with the crowd for, you know, I think it was like three or four minutes. Just let them really, really absorb that victory there. And it was, yeah, it was fantastic. Again, it was nice to have, again, nothing against Keith and Swerve, but I think it was sort of Tony maybe listening to the fans and he heard that reaction at All Out in Chicago and they're like, ah, okay, let's, we've got something here because they had a really good match. And yeah, uh, a couple things to note here that I think recently either AEW or someone shared sort of during the pandemic era at Daly's place, the sort of either the very first or the early pairing of Anthony Bowens and Max Caster. And they weren't the acclaimed. They were just Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. It was a little clip that was shared on Twitter where they were going to face off against the best friends, uh, Trent and Chuck. And it was just like Max did a quick rap and they were like, and they hugged it out. And you could see like they were comfortable around each other. And it was, it was very, very early on with them ta- uh, teaming. They never teamed before. But yeah, you could see they kind of had a little something, and then obviously kind of what they grew into. Again, I would agree with you that roughly in the last six or so months, when the decision was made to pair them up with the gun club, they really flourished, and they really got to show their personalities and kind of augment what they had as a package deal. And I think whatever was the 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 gun club themselves austin and colton playing off of max and anthony and then obviously the sort of interactions with with billy himself and those little backstage segments where he's like kind of choosing the acclaimed over his own kids type of thing little subtle things and again they felt very familiar and they had this chemistry and again helped them really blossom and kind of come out of their shell and sort of get to the point where they're just getting top selling t-shirts and getting these catchphrases over and hands gestures and all this stuff. So really, really well done. I think it was just a really smart move to capitalize that. And then like we talked about on our pre-production meeting yesterday, interesting developments between possibly Keith Lee and Swerve. And we see a little bit of that dissension. So I think there's stories to be had coming out of this match. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I know there was the the obvious rumors a while ago where it was a case of, um, oh, Keith is going to turn on Swerve. I was a big fan of either of this happening. I didn't really care for the pairing for Swerve and Our Glory. I didn't see the point in them having tag gold. Uh, I thought this was Tony's way of being like, well, here, have a championship. Uh, because I've got no reason to put you in the singles, uh, in the singles title here. But like to me, these these two are just big single stars. Why are you not utilizing them that way? So I was pretty uh, averse to um, to Swerve and Glory. I didn't I didn't really like to see it. Uh, so maybe that was just me being heavily biased. Um, but. The fact that we we do have this sort of homegrown talent as well, um, in the acclaimed, it, you know, the pairing uh, as a as a as a whole um, that has just kind of blossomed, and it defeats the uh, sort of you put it you could put it like the established WWE uh, new boys that came in because. Swerve and, and Keith were from the Fed back in you know back in the year or two before. So yeah, um love to see it. Love to see this happening. These guys are just I can't stop being happy for them. Like they're just so good. I love them. I would agree that I think this is actually a really good move for all the parties involved. Like I said, it gives the acclaim sort of that feverish push that the fans were clamoring for and it also gives an opportunity that now that Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee have had some championship gold and some wins and kind of had some peace we'll see maybe how they potentially go their separate ways and see how they're able to be handled and flourish kind of in a singles role so I'm kind of okay with this decision here for all for everybody involved in the match yeah, definitely. Um, I'm I'm hope hopeful that we get to see Keith Lee take on Lance Archer. That's something I would love to see. Um, I would love to see Keith Lee versus uh Powerhouse Hobbs at some point. Wardlow. Um, I would love to see Swerve versus Jungle Boy. We saw Jungle Boy versus Ray Phoenix. Uh, last night on Rampage, amazing match. Uh, I would like to see Swerve versus Jungle Boy. I'd like to see Swerve versus Ray, possibly. Uh, Ray Phoenix. Um, uh, Swerve versus Ricky Starks, you know. Um, I'd love to see an awful lot of these. Maybe Darby Allen as well. Um, these sort of tight matchups. I feel like all these guys could have some amazing power matches. I feel like the Keith Lee Wardlow match would be amazingly athletic. Uh, a Swerve Ray Phoenix match would be super, super, super athletic. Um, so yeah, like the, the, let them let them have their singles runs. Um, let me see more of them as well because putting these two pretty charismatic guys together, um, you sort of diminish them as well. Uh, whereas Anthony and Max sort of elevate each other. Uh, it felt. To me, like Swerve and Keith kind of diminished each other because one took away from the other. And it's not like it was intentional. It just felt like, well, I would like to see a better Swerve promo or I would like to see a better Keith promo. 
you know, it just kind of feels like these guys could benefit way more. And it's down to TK to be like, okay, okay, let's take you away from the tag division. Now use your single stars, you know. Heath and Swerve are very charismatic individuals on their own. So I I kind of picking up what you're throwing down when you're trying to sort of, if you have a limited amount of time, say for a promo, you can't maybe get to that sort of precipice or that really kind of pocket trying to sort of give each guy a chance to speak type of thing. So yeah, I can, I can kind of see what you're going with. May, you know, it may not have been the most ideal pairing, but I think for both parties involved, they, they made it work. They found some chemistry type of thing. And again, takes nothing away from them individually, but yeah, just two phenomenal talents put together in a tag team and yeah, and had some success for sure. Yeah. And um, definitely can't take away from their reign. Their reign was pretty good. They beat some decent teams. Um, but hopefully uh, now we get to see some uh, really good acclaimed matches as well. Uh, I'm sure one of their first uh, one of their first fights will be against um, Ray Phoenix and Panther. So that'll be uh, that'll be fun. I will see where things go for all the parties involved in this matchup. All right, and coming up to the final title change, title victory here, we have John Moxley facing off against Daniel, excuse me, John Moxley facing off against Brian Danielson, the finals of the Tournament of Champions for the vacant, not interim, AEW World Heavyweight Championship. So we see William Regal, of course, with Blackpool and Combat Club members being on commentary and Throws nice little snip, snippets in there and just ends up kind of saying I might be uh, I might be quiet for periods because he doesn't want to sort of choose sides. But then also there's just, you know, too much to give away secrets and stuff. So nice little indication there, nice little flavoring from him. But yeah, one of the sort of hard hitting matchups, they just because they're teammates within the same faction, they sort of did not kind of let up or go easy on one another. Lots of forearm shivers, lots of just kind of rough looking uh, hits there. There were some King Kong lariats. There were some chops and things like that. Some of the pieces there, they ended up hitting two. Uh, John ended up hitting a couple of Death Rider slash double arm DDTs in there with Brian kicked out. Uh, Brian ended up hitting a couple of Busaiko knees, which John kicked out. I love the fact that, you know, things like since they trained together, John went for the LaBelle lock that he was able to kind of counter and get out of, which was Brian did. You know, they did things like John was able to kind of shift out of the cattle mutilation. We had uh, just kind of all around just really, really cool stuff. So we ended up getting a curb stomp in there. John, some nice little callbacks, but we have the towards the end of the matchup here. Test of strength, though we ended up trading elbows in the knuckle locks, monkey flip from Danielson into a wrist uh, clutch stomps. Moxley reverses into the grounded kicks to Brian's head. And of course, American Dragon with kicks, more stomps, holding onto the ropes into a triangle choke, which is actually very smooth. And Mox posts up his feet, but rolls Danielson through. And we end up getting a label locked in the middle of the ring, hooking the nose. And John pivots and gets his foot on the ropes to a break, which we almost thought was the finish. 
we end up getting a Death Rider on the ramp on to Brian. And then he, of course, comes back inside, and the American Dragon will not stay down. Get a sleeper hold. We try to go for the old Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bret Hart, Survivor Series 96 kind of kickoff of the ropes piece. Ultimately, does not go through, but they roll through and ends up getting the sort of sleeper hold slash choke hold on Brian from Moxley and ultimately referee Paul Turner calls for the bell. And we see John Moxley as the first three-time AEW World Heavyweight Championship via referee stoppage. And then ultimately here we see at the end of the matchup before we cut to black on TV, William Regal, his lordship, comes into the ring, gets the belt, is about to put it around the waist of John. Brian gets up and grabs the belt from Regal and ultimately puts the belt around Moxley's waist. They shake hands, and John celebrates. Again, first three-time AW World Heavyweight Championship. So, again, Joker, thoughts, impressions of the matchup itself? Yeah, um, we we talked about what it was possibly could be last week. I feel like you know Nostradamus coming with that prediction that it's going to be an amazing match. It was an amazing match. Like there, there's, <laughs> you know, it didn't really take much for me to come up with that prediction. Um, yeah, I love the storytelling in this match where it was uh, counter after counter after counter after slap after big slap after you know big move. Uh, big move here, big move there, rest spot, cool, big move, big move, uh, counter, counter, rest spot, counter, counter, big move onto the ramp, um, you know, call back with the stomp, I love that. Uh, it, it was really good. Um, I think I, I think it kind of met my expectations. I know last week I said it's, we're going to have certain expectations and then they're going to exceed it. I feel like the only thing that exceeded my expectations was John didn't John did not get any color this time. Surprisingly. Which I was I, I legitimately had to rack my brain there. Did he did he get it's like no he didn't. He did not bleed this time, which is interesting. Um with for such a hard hitting match, you know, with the stomps, with the kicks, with the with the chops, with the uh with the knees. Um, so he's learning. It's great now. You don't you don't have to gig every single every single time you get into that ring. It's great. I love to see it. He's adapt um, he's adapting his style. There you go. TK has clearly given him our feedback from our previous uh from our previous shows because you know me and TK are friends. Um I I'm sure on, do know that. I'm on that uh I'm on that um that uh You have his direct line for Lack yeah, of a term. I have his ear. Yeah, I have his ear. Basically, um, he he loves to hear my opinion on what he's doing wrong. Anyway, um, so yeah, the 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 outcome of this match was the big surprise uh, to me personally. I felt like the first run for Daniel would have been more important than the third run for John Moxley. I said it last week. I'll say it again. I am not mad at this. I think the third run for John Moxley is a great reward. For a man who has uh, wholeheartedly thrown himself into this company, 
being the face for this company, being an amazing ambassador for this company, uh, just through his work ethic and um, putting his body through uh, his body through the line, and eventually he will um, he will get his holiday, Renee. Eventually, he will take you out for a holiday. You and I were convinced last week's episode that we both agreed Brian was going to win, providing, again, he was healthy and, you know, he had, like, dates on his contract, whatever. You and I were both convinced that, again, the first reign for Brian would have felt and meant more than the third reign for John. Again, we both agreed we wouldn't be mad with either one of those winning, but we both felt it sort of was the time and the place for Brian. So interesting, again, that we ended up having John win for a third title reign. Again, you hit the nail on the head, sort of a reward in itself for his hard work and his dedication and being the workhorse and the dependable guy that he was. So, But we, you put it into my brain from an earlier conversation in this, this episode here earlier today that Brian could end up taking the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship away from Chris. So either way... I think, again, the matchup was phenomenal. There's some interesting little story beats that can come out of this. I do appreciate that within the matchup itself, it was more smooth and and counters and a little bit more finesse than, say, their first matchup when they were just fighting and they weren't teammates. And then the introduction of that previous matchup with William Regal coming down at the end so I like that it had a different feel than the the very first matchup that they had in AEW. That notwithstanding, I like that they didn't have to like one guy didn't have to turn heel, even though Brian comes out of the heel tunnel, you know, type of thing and sort of like that. But he he fights with honor essentially. He's just a tough. I just want to beat the crap out of you kind of guy. But I like that they just didn't have to resort to shenanigans and stuff like that. But you know, at the end they shook hands and they're like, you know what, cool. We you you got the better of me today and we're still gonna we're still gonna do this thing. So cheers to both men for sure. Yeah, definitely one of the matches that I've I honestly have the least to say about because like like we were saying, you know, either one was gonna be amazing. Um third rain, first rain, whatever's happened, like you said, quite rightly. Um a much different match compared to whenever they weren't. Um teammates to to when they were which is the the really uh telling advancement the evolution of the storyline between these two guys um and then yeah the um the potential for daniel bryan not being finished with chris because chris can levy the fact that he is the ocho and the ring champion as opposed to the ring of honor even though he claims he's the most honorable man but whatever um chris can levy this against uh you know, um, Danielson's code of honor himself, you know, being a Ring of Honor alumni, uh, I don't think that he would take it too um, too quietly that Chris is now the Ring of Honor world champion. I would agree. Brian might take exception to Chris being that, much like he did with Daniel Garcia and the whole you're you're a wrestler, you're not a sports entertainer kind of thing like that. So we'll see with that. But again, we both agreed, awesome matchup. And 
Kudos to both men, and congratulations once again to John being the first three-time AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Commiserations to your wife for not getting to go on holiday. So those were our thoughts on the three title changes at AEW Grand Slam. Let us know your thoughts down below in the comment section on YouTube or on Twitter and Instagram, what you felt about Grand Slam and those title changes. All right, coming up to our next topic here. A little bit of controversy or controversy, however you'd like to pronounce it. The IWC, the Internet Wrestling Community, has been buzzing about the White Rabbit in WWE. There's a large mystery sort of shrouded around what's going on, what does this mean, who could it be, all these little different things. And we got the sort of the first inclinations of this kind of mystery of sorts Basically about a week and a half, I wouldn't say any longer than two weeks ago, that folks just randomly on Twitter decided to share videos of at house shows and during sort of commercial breaks during WWE shows that they were playing Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit. And folks were just like, ooh, okay. And then you would see on those Twitter videos that folks were just uh, call back to the Wyatt family's entrance where they had their camera phone lights on and kind of showing it and sort of sort of that firefly thing. So again, the Fed has not come out and said really a kind of anything in regards to it. It just sort of something that kind of was shared on social media, kind of being cheeky and coy about it, not sort of saying anything in regards to what this means or why they're playing this song or anything like that. So We'll start off there. I do like things when they sort of happen organically. This was shared sort of organically on Twitter. People were like, hmm, this is interesting. Things like organic stuff happening in wrestling randomly comes to mind. Daniel Bryan's, you know, growth from a heel to a face in sort of late 2013 to 2014 where he won. He garnered that support and got that shot at WrestleMania 30. And ended up winning that. Things like more recently, FTR just getting fan support and kind of turning face. So I think I feel like when it's not shoved down our throats and it's a little bit more organic, folks enjoy it more and folks are intrigued by it. And it sort of gets over a little bit more when it feels real. So we'll start it off here, Joker. What were your kind of impressions or thoughts when you were hearing about or maybe seeing those videos of the Jefferson Airplane, White Rabbit song. Um, so I, I, I am going to be playing the role of the devil's advocate today. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not uh, harm me or shoot me as the messenger. Um, this is the brainchild of someone very smart. Because whenever you have someone who is sat there and displaying the same characteristics and the same sort of uh, the same sort of personality over and over and over again. That's an established trait. Okay. Whenever you then change that established trait, you invite intrigue. Now, this Jefferson Airplane song with the lights and everything, it was something that was out of the ordinary 
which is why it got shared. This was intriguing to people. It invited them to then, you know, post that online. This was the first step in the story. Once this was done and everybody was talking about the White Rabbit is when we started to see the QR codes. And that's when everything started to happen and more went into detail about the White Rabbit. Now, nothing has been said and it has all been fan speculation. I personally never get my hopes up because to get my hopes up is to be disappointed in the outcome, especially when it comes to WWE. Now, here's where I'm this is the reason why I'm playing the devil's advocate today because normally I say to PT whenever he comes up with something outlandishly ridiculous, this is not the Vince McMahon era. This is the Triple H era. It's not an established trait anymore. Just you wait. I have some interesting guesses, by the way, that might make you angry. It's not. <laughs> it might make me angry, but I'm kind of thinking that we're on the same wavelength for one of them. Don't you worry. I legitimately had this while you were talking. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you do it and then see if I get angry. Uh, or giggle anyway. Uh, but yeah, the um, the QR codes we saw on Raw that led to the game of Hangman, the QR codes we saw on um, on SmackDown that we that led to that uh, the the next clue, the next story beat, as it were. Um, this is a very dangerous game. It is a very dangerous game they're playing because they are allowing people to control their narrative in the sense that the internet wrestling community is a vile and toxic place. So what will happen will be that there will be outspoken individuals that hate the outcome regardless what it is who will be disappointed in the outcome because it won't be what they thought it was going to be. Or will be excited because, well, it's just something different. Like, cool, it's a big mystery, but if you're going to keep leading people down this rabbit hole, you know, then it's... Unintended. Unintended, yeah. Uh, it, it's It's got to come to an end sooner rather than later because you can't let people lead themselves on, build hype around something that you're not going to give them because that is the way you burn down the house of good faith that you've built over these last two two months. And I don't think Triple H is as stupid as that, but, you know, I have been wrong before. So, I'm sorry, I have been incorrect before. Not wrong. I like the notion of you touched on speculation as... A uh, big horror fan, and uh, I, used, I used to write for Fangoria Magazine as well. One of the best things you can do in a suspense film, sort of a horror film, is not show the big bad guy, not show the, the perpetrator, not show the, the, the killer, the stalker, what have you. If you shroud them in mystery, if you shroud them in darkness, if you don't come out and show the big bad, right? allows your own mind to run rampant 
and come up with all these different things. And a lot of time, your own imagination ends up being a lot more scary than the actual thing. When you, you know, it kind of plays on your own fears and you create what you want to. And then again, it ends up being more scary than what the actual thing is. That being said, I like that it's, they're not explicitly coming out and, and sort of announcing it and, and kind of saying things. The, you brought up the notion of the QR codes. On this past week's episode of Raw, there's a QR code that happened to appear behind Austin Theory that led to a game of Hangman on WWE's website, which the answer, there was a question, basically it said, you know, you know who destroyed the who world? Who destroyed the world? Yeah. And it was you did. So it's a very, very interesting type of thing. Another very, very subtle, not in your face storytelling QR code on the television during the Hit Rose viewing party on SmackDown. Again, very subtle. Led to a game on WWE's website, leading a white rabbit through a maze through a door. And you end up seeing, going through the door, you have the word patricide along with a series of coordinates, which actually leads to the Rogers Center, excuse me, Rogers Place in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, which is the location of next week's Raw. So you have these little clues. You have these little speculations. Again, you're not, it's not in your face. You're letting your mind run rampant. You come up with all these ideas and all these speculations. Now, we've seen as of SmackDown, we have merchandise for the rabbit, so we got to get that sweet quiche, that cash money, baby. You want a right rabbit t-shirt? I don't care who it is. Buy it. <laughs> buy it. Money. Buy it. So, that notwithstanding, I feel like we talked about it in our pre-production meeting that since Trips took over two months or so ago, two and change months, he's built a lot of good faith, like you said. Last thing that you want to do with any storyline or something like this is go too long in the tooth or drag it out to where the point that people are not excited about it, or if you maybe play the song again, or you do another QR code, or you have another game, people are going to boo it, or people are going to you know, rant about it on various social media websites, which people are going to do regardless. That notwithstanding. The point where I'm going with this is that don't go, don't drag it out or don't go too long to where, again, like you said, you burn that good faith that you built up. You know, it takes a lot of time to build faith and good gestures and things like that, but it only takes one swift move to like that house of cards to go tumbling down. So you got to be very, very careful how you navigate this. But I like, I like that they're doing little subtle things. It's not shoving it in the face. It's not uh, cut to Michael Cole and Corey Graves at the announce desk. And they're like, we're, uh, we're going to throw to whoa, what's going I hear something going on backstage. And then they show the promo. They show the, the game. They show the QR code, huge flash of QR code on that. It's very subtle. Again, it's not in your face. So I agree. I hope that it, is resolved soon so folks don't get bored of it and folks don't get tired and folks don't boo it or we'll get to it in a few moments whoever it ends up being or whatever it ends up being i'd like for it to be successful on the sake of the talent yeah i need it to be successful for the sake of the talent 
um, because uh, they have now put two weeks worth of programming um, on the back of this mystery to be solved. Uh, you'll 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 notice that we haven't said any names yet. That we haven't stated who it's going to be. You know whether or not their aliases were this or that, um, because we're coming to it a hundred percent. We will we will give we'll give our thoughts on it. Um, but there are sort of there are sort of people who we have in mind that may not necessarily be who uh, the internet wrestling community at large might want to see. Um, there are rumors and innuendo, and and personally, I feel like mine is is pretty obvious. Like mine is who I want it to be, and that is that is kind of neither here nor there. Um, I feel like it's it's definitely easy to place the expectation on an established or pre-established um expected talent than to burden a new talent with uh, this incoming sort of possible vitriol. Because if it's expected of one person, then, you know, grand, they can, they can honestly be that person to, uh, to bear the brunt of, of this, uh, this, this media uh, circus that they're essentially starting to run. Um, but if it's somebody else, they may be fully unprepared with what's about to come. Like they may get lambasted from every side and be like, "Well, it was just it was just some sort of promo. Like, what are you, what are you so angry about? I thought it was obvious. This blah 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 blah." Um, so it is definitely something that um, they need to be super careful about with regards to who this end talent is and how much they may not realize. They are leading them, possibly leading a lamb to slaughter. That's a really good point that I just, you made me think about now that if it's, we'll get to in a few moments, but if it's who everyone thinks it is, I think it'll work and it's a nice little pop and preside. But then if it's not who people want, I'll position it this way you are not setting that person up for success. They are going to be on the back foot from the get-go and that's going to be sort of tough to sort of overcome that so that's a really good point like i mentioned before i want it to be successful for the talents end but it has to be presented and executed in a way where they can be successful and not set up for failure so i that's a really really great point and excellent there so with that being said i think i think let's get into who we may or may not think it is. I'll, I'll okay. throw it. To, uh, no, no, no. We'll, 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 we'll throw it to me first this time. We'll throw it yeah. to you first. Ooh, okay, excellent. You, you, you said that you have some ideas, and I want to see if you were truly in my head for what. Sounds good. So we'll get the elephant in the room here. We a lot of folks. The consensus is with all the the. I love the number twenty three movie thing where they're just like they're. They're connecting all these theories and they're kind of like, oh, one plus one is 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 two. And then there was there was three members in this group and then, oh, it's 23. Oh, my God, that's what it is. So that notwithstanding, everybody believes to their gills that it's going to be Bray Wyatt. We'll get that out of the we'll get that 
off of Jump Street. I feel like it could be. I feel like that's the uh, it could be a very obvious choice. To that point, to that end, if it's not, people are going to be very disappointed. And I think to that very statement that you made just previously, it can be tough for somebody to overcome that and have sort of an association with that gimmick if it may not be him. Now, we think about, what have we known? We've known about rabbits. We've known about Jefferson Airplane type of thing. We're alluding to different sort of things sort of in, in, a, in a pocket realm. We have the notion of the white rabbit, uh, which was previously a character or notion used by Karrion Cross, formerly Killer Cross, in Lucha Underground. Could he be associated with this? Could he be sort of the white rabbit? Possibly. It could be something like that. I feel like they're developing a story with him and Drew McIntyre for a feud, so it would be sort of counterproductive that they started a storyline with him. That kind of, so, you know, could it be? Maybe. Could it not be? That's also true. So, I'm just going to jump into my, let's just go wacky, or the chaos theory, I want the world to burn picks. So, okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm excited. Now, White Rabbit, who do I want it to be? I'll just go right out, come out, and say it. You ready? I mm-hmm. want it to be the bunny. From the <laughs> from the rosebud, okay. I want it to be that because it it fits the bunny, right? We saw a little bit of Adam Rose's bunny before <laughs> before that program ended, right? They were seeing he was getting uh, matches. He was kind of getting himself over. He was overshadowing Adam Rose. There was a little bit of sort of a sinister feel to the quote unquote character that at times was played by the uh, the Darewolf himself. Why is his name? Uh, Justin Gabriel. Justin Gabriel, thank you so much. Who is at times played by Justin Gabriel. So for the chaos theory, or the, uh, not for the lulls, maybe for the memes, give me the rabbit from the Rosebuds, Adam Rose's thing. Yeah. Who else could it be? All right, who recently just left a company? Who was banging on about they'd go to war for Triple H? Who can make a big impact, pun intended? Robert Fish. Mm. Just showed up last night or the other night or so on Impact's pay-per-view. Impact show, delete as appropriate. Interesting to note. Now for the lulls. Who do I want it to be? Because it would be fantastic and people would get super bent out of shape. Veer Mahan, baby. Let's freaking go. The Veer Mahan return. Oh, goodness. Oh, good grief. All that aside, who, who do we really feel? Besides those kind of, I would love just to people get super upset and bent out of shape. Who are people thinking and who is the most likely probability? Uh, you know, if it, if it is indeed Bray Wyatt, I'm okay with it. So, because I feel like if it is him, I know he had sort of a little bit, we heard rumblings of a Rocky relationship or a Rocky situation under VKM type of thing. And 
there were times sometimes they got along and sometimes they did not get along at all. And Bray was mentioning I felt stifled, but that notwithstanding, if it ends up being Bray, again, I want the talent to be successful. I want them to feel empowered. I want them to feel creative. And Trips has by many accounts has said, hey, like if you have ideas, help feed them to me. Let's kind of do this, you know, so you can kind of latch your teeth into, but let's, those are my, those are my chaos fun. I want the world to burn off randomly off the cuff pieces, but yeah, if it's Bray, I'm cool with it. So that's fair. That's fair. Mr. Dr. Joker Esquire. What are you, right. what are you thinking? What do you got brother, man? Right. Well, you know, Paul has, you know, neglected to take any of my calls so he and i are not on as good terms as tony man but you know um i'm surprised you didn't go with a really obvious one of just going it's me austin it was always me and just vkm coming out in the middle and ripping a mask off of the bunny display it's me like i'm back in charge I thought um, about it for a little bit, but I didn't want to go <laughs> with that kind of rip the band-aid off, ooh, bring it back type of thing. So that yeah. would have been full chaos. And honestly, that was the one that I was thinking of. I was like, oh, he's gonna go for the it's me, Austin. Um it, it was in my brain, but I didn't go with the obvious that super obvious one. <laughs> that I is wanted, the super, super I wanted a couple one. of fun picks. So Yeah. I I feel like that one would be absolutely hilarious whatever you see the stock prices take a huge dump um after that happens anyway uh so getting that complete you know drivel out of the way i really only have one choice and it's bray wyatt um all the others all the others uh are cool they're nice you know anybody else and i feel like i've, I've made my point for why it should be bray wyatt um if it is anybody but him, I do not feel like the talent, regardless of who it is, can handle it. People are still giving uh, Cross, Killer Carrion, White Rabbit Cross, uh, absolute ish for being, um, uh, you know, completely destroyed by Adam Cole and, and Johnny Gargano for for promos that went on in NXT. I okay, boys and girls, but you know, everybody else like Rocky Maivia happened. You know what I mean? Drew McIntyre invented his finisher because his pants were too tight. Like, you know, there's there's embarrassing stuff out there for an awful lot of wrestlers. Please give over. Just because you think someone's not over, Killer Cross, like Carrion Cross, this man is an absolute machine and he is going to do great things in this company. But if all you want to do is sit and think about someone because of one or two promos, like got something to tell you boys and girls the company's still gonna push him regardless because he's worth the push that's just what's going to happen um and it's the same with veer mahan like veer mahan i think has shown some personality on his twitter account more so than he's gotten to show uh i would love to see him come back and do big things um you know a, a mid card upper mid card talent like not he's to me he's not super over to the point where he deserves to be in that top top tier but i still feel like he's he's a solid uh solid hand to have hopefully they do bring him in if uh if hunter is a fan um but that's down to him that's down to whatever he wants to do and um who else the uh the whole um 
giving everybody the uh, Firefly Funhouse of, of people. We have um, Cross. Um, we have Ron as Huskus. We had um, Scarlet as Abby the Witch. Scarlet as Abby the Witch, thank you. And uh, why am I forgetting his name every single time? Uh, with the Miz. Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis as, as uh, Mercy the, the, the Buzzard. Mercy the Buzzard, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yep. um, you know, there's this this sort of Firefly of, of reality funhouse kind of thing going on. Um, the funny thing, the things that like, you put together, like, uh, and it, it's just the way my brain works with the limited information that we have. Um, obviously, who who destroyed the world, right? Who did destroy the world? Who led to someone's world ending? If we insert Ray Wyatt as the person, uh, or the fiend rather, uh, to being the one to be destroyed, well, he lost in a match versus Randy Orton. But the distraction was caused by Alexa Bliss. The Tap. lights went off. The lights went off in an Alexa Bliss Bailey match. Taps the temple. Yes. Yes. So there's a wee link there that makes me kind of go, okay, cool. She didn't, he wasn't, you know, exactly her father, but he was a father figure to the character. Patricide. He burned. The, the previous word to the patricide was actually coal. You know, what happens whenever things decompose for a long enough period of time? Well, they turn, they fossilize, and they turn to coal. Like, there's these little things that you can kind of make giant leaps and stretches to. And there are things like the coordinates. As soon as you see the coordinates, I don't know about you, but I didn't even need to look up the coordinates. I knew that that was going to be the location of the next place because I feel like somebody somewhere has done that before. Like, whether or not it's been in a story I've, I've watched somewhere before, or read, or seen, or heard. Uh, like, they've used the, the location of the next show. Um, so, in terms of the, the stuff we've said before, Bray, um, Husky Harris Wyatt, uh, you know, he, he is just one of these guys that you can put into that scene of have a spotlight on him and he will make it shine even brighter because he is the kind of guy who is intelligent enough to be running some sort of program like this to make everybody think and to make it all cryptic enough where we're not exactly pinning him but and you know the fact is like he has possibly been in talks we, nothing's confirmed and if he pops out and we see a third Bray Wyatt character, you know, we have the Swamp Man Bray Wyatt, we have the, the strange Saturday morning cartoon show Bray Wyatt, which, by the way, is my favorite, uh, with the alter ego of The Fiend. And then um, you have a third character, like, come out of the mind of Bray Wyatt, and hopefully there's an evolution to that. Like, the man, the man is a storytelling genius, um, and I really need him to be given reigns enough to tell his stories yeah a lot a lot of things going on again we both kind of going with 
the internet's and the kind of fans' favorite of who this is going to be, but I'm okay if it's something completely different. But again, I just want it to be successful for the talent and see where it kind of goes. But those were our picks and our thoughts on the White Rabbit in WWE. So let us also know your thoughts and your guesses down in the comments below on YouTube or on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the White Rabbit in WWE. And are they stranger than anything we have said? 100% let us know. All right, moving on to Quick Hits. For some of the newer listeners here, Quick Hits are little segments or little things that happen throughout the week in wrestling that we may not have got a chance to cover full-fledged in the stories proper, the topics in the main show, but we wanted to share little pieces that we enjoyed or sort of pop the boys segments that we just want to highlight here. So I'll start us off here. I do have one from this week. And it comes from Friday Night Smackdown. And it was during the opening segment with the Bloodline, their town hall meeting in the ring. And I'm specifically focusing on Jay Uso. We see Roman Reigns telling Sami Zayn, take that Bloodline shirt off. You can hear Jay in the background screaming at Sami, take the shirt off, as he paces back and forth. As soon as Roman has to say, all he has to do is say, Jay. Jay runs in and rips that shirt right off of Sammy. You see Sammy take a step back, doe-eyed, not realizing what's going on, very confused. And Roman exclaims, you ain't ever going to wear a Bloodline shirt ever again. And we cut back to Sammy, he looks absolutely dejected. We see Jay continuing to pace back and forth in the ring, smiling, getting all worked up because he's getting what he wants. But then Roman says, you ain't going to wear it again because I got you a new one. Roman tosses Sammy a shirt that reads SZ Honorary Oos. And we see Jay, as Sammy catches the shirt, Jay just all the life drains from Jay's face. And then Sammy puts the shirt on and we see Jay lean on the ropes, looking away from Sammy's direction, shaking his head with a stunned look on his face. And then Sammy celebrates, giving all the high fives and the, and the handshake with Jay, excuse me, with Jimmy. See him hug Solo, it's right in Jay's face like, ah, and then ultimately hugs Roman. But I gotta say, at the end of the day, kudos to Jay and very huge props to Jay right there for for selling this and kind of playing up that piece and it's a very small detail but it plays on so many layers between the relationship between Jay and Sammy and then Sammy with the entire bloodline as a whole and everything but so very very small but fantastic storytelling right there I feel like I have to like report a robbery because that like legitimately that was stolen from me i love that segment too that segment was so good i loved it i, I cannot believe uh yet again obviously uh, we, we've had we've had um we've had parts of uh the wrestling that we've both really super enjoyed and yes this was definitely 
top tier storytelling. I am in love even more with the bloodline. Um, Roman's selling of this uh, was amazing. Sammy selling of this, like we were talking about before we started, if you could do the little lip quiver that would have sent me down, the, you know, straight down, I'd have been like, Sammy, no! Uh, but, you know, it was just, it was so fantastic whenever Jay just kind of was like, he was just so hype. He was like, yes, we're getting rid of him. Like, what? Wait, what? I thought we were getting. <sighs> yeah. And then just him selling the fact that we weren't getting rid of uh, of Sami Zayn. And yeah, I loved it. I loved the, the, the one thing that I think I loved the most about it was the awkward little hug at the end with Roman, where he just gives Roman a big hug, and then Roman's just like, pat, pat. <laughs> the one arm it was great. Sami Zayn is a genius. It's just a one little thing in a town hall talking segment, beginning of the show, one person in a group of six, that really, that you know, I just happened to highlight in there, but everybody... Everybody played a role in that entire segment, and it really built up. And then you just see this comes to mind as I see it in my brain after Sammy puts on that shirt, and they have to like cut to Jay, and he's just like that, the sort of jaw out like this, I just bewildered. And that little reaction by him, I think, sold it for me, and it just did a really kind of bang up job. And again, layers to the story, man. So good. Uh, it was all around an amazing segment, but yeah, kudos to Jay for sure. Yeah, it's definitely going to make the eventual fallout and fall apart of the bloodline so much more amazing. And he, the whole reason for them falling apart is now right there as the honorary because he is he is a hundred percent the reason that this thing falls off the tracks. So that was my quick hit. That was the piece I wanted to highlight that I really enjoyed. I thought it was just a phenomenal piece. So that was for me. Uh, Joker, do you have a quick hit for this week? I do have a quick hit this week. I do for once. And it, it, it's, it's rather short. You know, it, it's not anything like it's not a big deal. It's something small from small, you know, a little small segment on uh, the Dynamite show. Um, actually, Straight after the uh, the women's fatal four way, when Soraya decided to make her appearance on AEW, uh, you what now? Legitimately, kind of looking at the thing going, it's like, all right, all this, you know, all this uh, music starts to hit. I'm like, I recognize that song, "Fallen in Reverse," zombified. Like it was a really good tune. I, I really do like uh, the song. I was like, it's "Fallen in Reverse." This is Soraya in it. And then it was Soraya. And I was just like, what? And you just heard the crowd. Like we were talking earlier on in the day. Um, the crowd just the pop for this was immense. It gave me goosebumps. I am not now, nor have I ever been like a huge Paige fan, like or a Soraya fan. Um I'm not like I don't detract from her. I think she's wonderful. Uh, uh, it, it's it's a real shame what happened to the end of her career. For sure. But like the people have not forgotten her, and that was worth so much, especially to her and all of the you know to 
uh, all of her tweets afterwards. And, you know, everybody there, like, they just loved seeing her. And the fact that she was there and she got in the ring and it's insinuated that she's having an in-ring talent, uh, uh, she's there as an in-ring talent. Um, this is an amazing get for TK. Uh, he kept this one quiet in our weekly phone calls. But, you know, it's definitely something that uh, I'm going to complain about uh, whenever we talk next. And uh, congrats to them for getting an absolutely amazing talent inside or outside of the ring. It's incredible to the fact that formerly known as Paige, Soraya was essentially off TV for the last, like, three, the guts of three years, three years plus. And for her to get that reaction... One as a performer, as an entertainer, as somebody who does things for an audience, it's t- when you are away for a little while, and you're always nervous about are people going to remember me, and that happens a lot in wrestling, you know. And you you're able to get that response. People cared, and people reacted, and people were happy to see you. That's a thing you want, and that was really really phenomenal to see. The commentators, Taz and Excalibur specifically, were putting her over, talking about she can go, you know, she's such a really great worker. So it was it was really awesome to again for them to make her a big deal, to put her over, to just yeah, have that sort of emotion piece. I think there was a video shared on Twitter of Soraya herself reacting to her debut. She was getting choked up and she was in tears and she was just so excited and ecstatic that people cared and people were excited. Again, harkening back to my first point. So it's really great to see, you know, hopefully she's healthy. The people are speculating that because she had the all, you know, Soraya's All Elite announcement on Twitter, she, if you go to the AW website, there is her listed on the roster. There is speculation because she has a quote-unquote win-loss-draw record under her picture that she may be wrestling. We don't know what the status is at the moment, whether she will be an in-ring competitor, whether she'll be sort of a non-combatant, like a potentially Stokely Hathaway or William Regal. Potentially, we don't know. But either way, I hope she's healthy enough to be able to perform and enjoy her life and if she's cleared to wrestle, that'd be fantastic. So kudos to her. Really, really great to just, again, to see somebody have a return and keep doing what they enjoy. Yeah. And to your, to your last point there, Stokely Hathaway, William Regal, and Mark Henry all have win-loss records of 0-0 zero and zero on the All Elite website. So it's not set in stone that just because she has one of these things that she's an in-ring combatant. That's where everything's murky, and the the fact that it's been um, communicated that she wasn't actually cleared to do anything, which is why she didn't touch anybody in the ring, um, which is why she didn't do any spots, she didn't do a run-in or anything like that there, so she wasn't actually cleared. That is the latest unconfirmed news. Um, so once we get confirmation, once we see her in the ring, is when I'll believe that she's back. But the fact that she got an amazing pop gave me goosebumps. Um, and that was for somebody who I myself professed not fan, not like super fanatical about. Like, so 
yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be nice. Congratulations to her on uh, on a, an epic return. One hundred percent agreed. Happy for Soraya to be able again back in the business that she loved and have an opportunity with this new company and see how she can interact and help elevate the women's division of AEW, which is something we have been spiting about for a long time. Check out previous episodes. <laughs> All right, so those were our quick hits for this week. Definitely let us know down in the comment section below what your folks' quick hits are in the YouTube comments or on Twitter or Instagram. Feel free, let us know what you enjoyed from this week in wrestling. All right, so that about wraps it up for us. Joker, man, how was it for you? This was, uh, this was good. We had some laughs, we had some fun, shared some things. Yeah. Was, Thank uh, you very much for that evite to the podcast, man. That was that was very nice of you. I appreciated it. When I was sending out no. the invitations, when I was thinking, who can we have on the show? I was thinking the first person in my mind, Dr. Yeah. Mr. Sir Joker Esquire, VTF. Yeah, was high on my that, list. Bud. Of course, yeah, 100%. That. Definitely, definitely made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside when I got that evite. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad we have, I'm glad I'm here today. Hopefully I can come back for the next one too. Um, yeah, it was really good, really fun. A lot of fun stuff happened in the world of wrestling this week. Um, and I feel like it's it's only going to get even more crazy um, on the lead up to October and the uh, the shows that we have coming up there. So yeah, if we think we're in the towards the end of September now as of the recording, so we think about what's kind of coming up. We got obviously the fall season. We got Halloween coming up. We've got the, for us in the United States, the sort of Thanksgiving season and then the holidays in December. In wrestling, you know, we've got another pay per view for AEW, the full gear in the November time. We've got Survivor Series with all games uh, type of thing coming up for WWE. So we've got some, we got some things, we got some things brewing, some things on the kettle, on the burner. Extreme Rules, Crown Jewel, Survivor Game, or Survivor Series War Games. Uh, yeah, like there's a couple of, couple of big things with WWE and then you say full, full gear is the next one. Yeah, I believe um, it's in the November time for AEW. Yeah, yeah like, so. that's going to be, that's another big, 20 match pay-per-view right there yeah. like if our thing is not 20 matches my name's not tk's best mate so yeah i think it's only going to be 19 or 21 matches on the full gear card so yeah. Yeah. yeah so we might be a little disappointed but you know i'm sure we'll get some of the talent on there so it'll be six yeah. and a half yeah. hours yeah uh three and a half hour pre-show and then you know five yeah. uh, five maybe five and a Sounds half right. almost six hour main show for sure all of the ring of honor uh, titles are going to be defended. Maybe an impact title might come in there. Yeah. Uh, all of the AWs except the AW women's title that's not going to be on there. Apparently. Well, I'll, um, let, I'll let you talk to your insider, your uh, the the money man himself, Tony. Money, yeah, I'll get on to the sugar man. Let us know if you find out any sweet juicy gossip or insider. Yeah. If there's anything, if there's anything like I think you need to know, then I'll let you know. But you know, I'm I'm pretty pretty sure you know we we've got the handle on things. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so thank you. Uh, thanks just for the great talks today. And just, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fun, man. As always, it's a pleasure. And for the, uh, for the folks listening, thank you for sticking with us on the end here. Thank you again, really, as a reiteration for all the folks checking us out on the YouTubes, 
for all the views, again, we got a nice little surge with the uh, Luigi Primo short that we highlighted. And again, it we put a lot of work into the show. I put a lot of work into the editing. So definitely the, the views are, are very, very much appreciated. And again, if you like what you're seeing on the YouTubes, definitely feel like as a reminder to like, comment, subscribe. Just let us know how we're doing. Let us know that you're enjoying the content. And then on the various audio platforms, feel free to comment or definitely let us know by following us. And if you're, if you're liking what we got, just uh, give us a heads up and uh, definitely for sure let us know. And even if you're not liking what we're putting out, you could always just contact us at the, you know, the, the old the Twitter handles below and you know, tell us why we're doing a bad job. Yeah, you can find preferably us on, telling us why we're doing a good job, but you know. You can find us on Kfabe Council pretty much on any major platform for sure. But thank you again for all the support. And again, if you uh, if you have some ideas, let us know on the platforms themselves how we're doing. We appreciate it, all the support, and definitely we want to get your insight to let us know how we can improve and get better. So with that, for TF Joker. Remember to personalize your evite to my next party. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time, letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.